big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we have a little bit of a different um, format for our podcast. So it's in two halves. The first half is Lael and I, Marion and Lael, as always. The second half, what's happening in the second half, Lael? Well, because of the topic of this podcast today, we thought, and particularly because of the times that we're living in at the moment, that we would interview a lovely, lovely friend, uh, Tony Valance, who actually was Teacher of the Year last year here in Australia. He is the most charismatic, um, uh, funny, so deeply invested in children teacher. And, um, and we thought it might be amazing just to interview him on some of his best tips for parents parents who are at home now finding themselves schooling and educating their kids. And um, I've already recorded a podcast with him on his podcast. And um, I thought it was a really wonderful, just a little, just a different flavor that we can give some practicals for parents who may be looking at, wow, how am I going to navigate this time at the moment in the world with everything that's going on and my kids being home and needing education and all those kind of things. So we wanted to mix it up. So we're going to do a big juicy we're parenting first half around um, homeschooling and all Marion's experiences and learning and children and trust and all that kind of stuff. And the second part of today is going to be around some wonderful um, conversations with Tony and some ideas to to help parents yay Mm. yay (laughs) so where do you want to begin marion do you want to start by just i mean look for me when we're talking about homeschooling and you know homeschool i guess before we this whole um whether we call it a pandemic, whatever's going on in the world at the moment, now everybody's actually going to school and now everybody's home learning or, you know, remote learning or whatever they're choosing to call it. You know, for me, you're a bit of an expert on homeschool because that's what you've done with your children um, for as long as they've been alive. And, and I think you have so many beautiful insights and understandings around it. So where would you like to start? Do you want to start with, mm. I guess, just the whole concept of learning and where we're sitting as a culture? And then we can mm. go into all your beautiful understandings and and learnings from it Lau, you know how much i love the biggest the big the big picture so I, let's go culturally and historically and actually because i think often this isn't very well known and i know for me it um i didn't know this when i first started um my children not going to school which they have never been to school um which is really understanding the history of schools so the schooling system really started up. And if you want to go and look up more, um, Peter Gray has written some really great articles uh, on really the, the full on details about how this all came into place and uh, in the various countries. But um, the modern schooling system, so much of it was developed around about the same time as the Industrial Revolution. So those two things, um, that particular time of development for human beings where we really went from more that kind of agricultural way of living and more extended families and more fluid working schedules all those kinds of things we when we shifted into the industrial revolution in um particularly in european type countries what um what happened then was work became quite different you know there were lots of people moved to cities there were jobs were much more like nine to five and schooling came in really as part of that to um to uh in a way prepare children for that kind of work so a lot of the schooling system and i'm not saying all schools are like this many schools are not like this many teachers are really bringing in very different ways of being i know with your school you're bringing very different ways of being with students but really understanding that historical piece and i think because the way i see it in these times at the moment on a bigger picture level we are being invited to move into this new way of working i think i think it's happening you know, so many people shifting to online work. I think we're really being invited to look at our whole economic and work um, 
structure. And I think that's what's happening alongside that is, is we're being invited to actually question the education system because I think there've been for so long questions around, um, you know, is it working and how is it working and, and really the opportunity to um, create a way of supporting our children to learn for the times that we're in now i mean jobs and work and ways of contributing in the world and ways of making a living are very different nowadays and they really have been shifting so rapidly in the last you know 10 10 years five years um you know there was there was no such thing as making a living being a youtuber until quite recently you know online courses are a massive business you know, there are so many different ways of working now. And of course, there will always be jobs that we need people in person, so many amazing things, and often around actually caring for bodies and creating food, all of those things, doctors, nurses, all of that kind of stuff. But I do think we're really being invited to question work and um, learning for for adults and for children and seeing this as a real opportunity time. And I think for me, what I have learned and actually what I see often when I see people, particularly if they have, their children have gone to school and they've started homeschooling, is there's often this transitional process where initially the, the schooling it's schooling at home. So it's the same thing as happening at school, but it's at home. And what often happens over time is that parents start to see that inevitably it looks different at home. Children learning at home is, is by its very nature different from children learning at school because the school system is, is and, and what happens at school is set up to work in that environment, to work with one or two teachers, with a group of children. And it is very different when you're with your own children and you know them and it's a smaller group and you're at home and you're doing all the things um, at home. And I think for me, what I really learned, and it took me a lot of years, I was actually a little bit of a slow learner at this, is um, a really deep trust in children's desire to learn and capacity to learn in natural ways. So one, there are many different forms of homeschooling. One of them is called natural learning. That would be where I'd probably put myself nowadays. It's that idea that children come into the world um, wanting to become like the people that they are around, wanting to learn about their culture. And if you think of any indigenous culture, that is how it, it works. You know, children are around what is happening, how the food's being made, what people need to do to, um, you know, to build structures, whatever it is, that's how we learn through actually being involved in, in the culture. Um, and I think that's what often happens in that process of of homeschooling is people and that's what I certainly found is that I learned to deeply trust that my children were learning through the everyday things that they were doing and that they were constantly learning and I couldn't really stop them from learning if I tried to stop them from learning it wouldn't be happening and and over the years I got more and more and more trust so in the initial years, and I've tried every different form of homeschooling. I've done, we've done really structured learning. I was very passionate about Montessori in the early years. We've done radical unschooling. We've done, we've done, you know, from one extreme to the other extreme, we've played with them all. And what I've really come away with is absolute unconditional trust that my children, whatever they feel called to do in their lives, whatever they want to do to make a difference in the world, they will set upon themselves to go about learning whatever they need to do and putting in the work that's required to do that and will ask for support in doing that. And I've just seen so many times, and I'm sure all parents have, you've seen your child at home suddenly wanting to learn how to do something, whether they it was learning to walk. What about what the dedication that's required to learn from crawling to, to walking? But just all the things that they do, they're constantly learning to learn to speak, to learn to swim to learn to ride a bike and it's the same processes that happen in all the things that they need to learn and I think as we as we are in this time to actually question I've actually been wondering whether part of the process might be as parents um, see the the work that gets brought home um, from some schools perhaps just to perhaps question is this actually helpful for my child does my child really need to learn all of these things and I think that's one of the things uh, that I really learned from from natural learning is that 
not every child needs to learn every single piece of information and it's very different again from how it was even 50 years ago where you know it was the textbooks nowadays any child who wants to learn anything about anything can you know, go and look at google you can you can download pretty much any course from any university i mean it's very very easy to to deeply dive into something that you're deeply passionate about. So I really think we are, we have this invitation of saying, well, do we want to do it differently here? Do we want to actually support our children in learning in ways that really address and match the world we live in now rather than the industrial revolution time that match the, the challenges that we have as a, uh, as humanity and actually support our children to really be a beautiful word that you talk about resilience. I know you're working with the resilience project is to help them go into the world, actually really skilled to, to bring in their unique um, resources and gifts and talents and, and in ways that we support them to be deeply connected with those. And I, and I think some of the um, ways the education system has worked and schooling has worked has not been, supporting that in the in the ways that children can be most supported so that's kind of a little bit of a where i sit with it <laughs> i love that i have so many things i'm thinking as you're talking and i was like oh i have to remember those bits um yes to all of that i one thing i want to say is all of that around education industrial revolution stuff for anyone who wants to go and learn more about that i highly recommend going and seeing sir ken robinson's um ted talk it's the most watched ted talk um we'll put a link to it in our show notes around education because you yeah. know i think that reached far and wide and i think struck a chord with a lot of people to say yeah why is it still this way and what we're doing and for some real life uh, um, demonstration of that, so my daughters have gone back to school this week because they're obviously, they usually do go to school, but they're doing it at home. And my daughter, who's 12, who's currently in year seven, and she comes out and she says to me, all right, I'm doing humanities. So she's, you know, got a clock in at a certain time. And I said, what are you learning about? She goes, something about China and something that makes no sense to me. I go, oh, well, how's that feeling for you? And she goes, well, I'll do what I normally do. She goes, oh, we're good to take the answers back to them that they think they want to hear. And then I'll forget all about it. <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, oh, it's my really wise 12-year-old going, mm-hmm. And I go, great, okay. And um, and she's just, you know, she looks at me with this, what is the point? And I go, yeah, I'm, I know we've had this conversation many times before and, you know, as I'm sure if you've heard our podcast, I'm actually building a school where we're really, we're Yay. trying to really bring in <laughs> talking about Marion around passion for learning and how we learn, all that kind of stuff. And equally too, my 16-year-old who's doing year 11 and she's doing a different form of education and and she does um, a lot of hands-on learning and industry experience. And she's saying to me, oh, God, now I've got to do it all on the computer and this is not how I learn well and I've got to do PowerPoint presentations. And she's starting to feel frustrated and stressed because she's like, this is why I'm not doing VCA or, you know, the classic schooling because this is not how I learn. And so I said to her, yep, I hear you. So let's put it into ways that you do learn. And, and I've shared this before. She learns well when she can stand up and talk and walk around and, and I will often scribe or type for her so she gets it in and then she'll edit it. And so we have ways that we can do it. So I was like, yep, okay, so let's just, let's find another way that we can still do this work and it makes sense to you. And, um, and then we still you know do what we have to do for it but I mean look I can imagine too there's many struggles going on in families at the moment and and I'm feeling for a lot of parents who are still trying to parent they're trying to work Mm. and they're now trying to manage schooling and Mm. and learning as well like and and again my year seven beautiful 12 year old daughter when then she's like I've got science next and then she's like we're doing something about the planets and she's like mum what is this question? Why is the moon blah, blah? I can't even remember what it is. And my response was, I don't know, ask Google. <laughs> I was like, I actually don't know the answer to that. And I was like, that's why we have Google, right? So, um, I mean, to me, that kind of just sums up <laughs> the whole thing we're talking about here is like, she's not really engaged in wanting to learn about the planets. She can go and find out the information to regurgitate the answers that she needs to for, you know, this whole schooling system but whether she retains that information and it makes sense to her and she intrinsically wants to know about it, well, that's, that, that 
is yet to be seen. Um, but again, my response was, well, there's access to information exactly as you said, Marion, all the time. And, um, and so what, you know, we have to shift, I think, on many, many levels. And I think there is some incredible things coming out of this time in history at the moment of what we're seeing. You know, there's a lot of hard times without doubt. And, you know, there's a lot of angst and stress for people. But we are also, I think, being shaken up to say or to look at, well, how do we do things and does that work and how could this look different and what do we need? And I think you're exactly right. Education is another one of those incredibly important things that we need to question and figure out how we can do it or how it could be done. And so, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And I'll be curious to see over these next few weeks as my daughters keep doing this, how they're going to navigate it and how we go. And to be really honest too, look, I mean, when I went to school, I was pretty much like my daughters. I did the work because I had to, I regurgitated back what they wanted to hear and then I just promptly got all about it. So when my kids are asking me, you know, what about this and what about that? I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea. She was asking me some science questions the other day from year seven science. And I was like, yep, no, I couldn't tell you the difference between a molecule and a particle (laughs) or whatever they were. I was sitting there going, so we were doing her work together and I was like, Oh, that's quite interesting because <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, you know, unless it had, and this is again, we're all so individual, unless for me learning had an emotional component to it, just didn't register. So everything that I learned had to have some understanding of an emotional story that made sense to me in order for me to retain that information because that's how my brain works and that's who I am. So, yeah, year seven science, all those years back then, no. I don't think anything got retained. And in a way, don't you think, Lael, and I'd love to actually hear you share more about your school around this, but I feel sad when I think about all the hours of, you know, that kind of thing happening where we're just, people are going along with emotions and whether that's in jobs that are actually kind of outdated now or school that's outdated now. Mm. It's like for, for all those hours of, of, I just remember so many hours at school just being so bored and just learning stuff that I, mean, I actually also remember learning stuff I was really interested in, but isn't it like a waste of this amazing precious life that we have yes. to be forcing down information that children are not interested in and to be spending hours and hours of, t- of precious life doing that when Mm. actually we could be setting up amazing systems new systems of working with children and with their interests and you know there's so much evidence out there that shows that we can that children will learn and they're, Mm -hmm. they're designed to learn and they can do that entirely through um things that they're actually interested in and it mm. doesn't need to be forcing them to do stuff that they have no interest in and what a, mm. what a difference that is in a in a childhood to be actually experiencing learning and the love of learning you know like that so ken mm. robinson's work is so gorgeous he has mm. a beautiful um book called is it called the element as well i so recommend reading that book too um because that's what that's what learning for me is really designed mm. to be about. It's doing what we love, learning through the joy of it and being passionate. And I remember so many times my kids, you know, staying up really late, just spending hours and mm. hours and hours just learning, doing something that they absolutely loved. Mm. And and it's really honouring the preciousness of life, isn't it? And not mm. and not wasting it by spending so many hours just doing stuff that's doing it for, because we're being coerced to do it and we're going to get tested on it. I mean, that is there's just no there seems to me no point, no point mm. at all. <laughs> yes, I absolutely hear you. And I mean, when you're saying that and thinking about a love of learning, I remember when I first started to want to work in birth, and I it ignited such a passion in me. I could not get enough of it i read every book you could get i i wanted to go to every workshop i could like my exactly the same my passion for learning because i was so deeply passionate about doing this work you could not stop me i could not soak up enough information to to really um i just couldn't get enough of it because i was inspired by it and i think that is what we want to capture and find and you know big part of when we're writing all the policies for our school at Woodline is is really coming back to we want to foster a love of learning in children and we want to see each individual child and go, how do you learn? What lights you up? And so how can we provide learning for you that's going to keep you inspired and engaged and passionate so that you can have know what that feels like to carry that through in your learning that's 
that's our goal within it so that each child has knows how they learn best um, knows what lights them up has a more clarity about where they want to go what that direction looks like so then they can follow that for sure yeah and i you know look it's we're looking at a system that's been around for a really, really long time. It's pretty ingrained. And as you say, we kind of just get on and do it because we're told we should. And I think what's happening in the world at the moment is making us question a lot of things. And this is one of them. And I think it is too. A part of me was looking on Facebook and seeing these great memes of after, you know, parents being at home schooling their children, remote learning of how many of them are like, okay, teachers all need a lot more money to get paid. They need a massive raise. Like how much are we loving teachers now? Like, you know, all that kind of stuff because we're realizing it can be very challenging, you know, teaching kids. It can be challenging finding ways to help them understand, learn all that kind of stuff. So, and I fully love teachers and I just full praise to teachers. It's an incredible job that they do. And especially when you have a classroom, 25 kids I'm like whoa so so big just big and you know I'm also wondering too even though children are at home learning at the moment perhaps they're learning better because they have connection if they've got parents they're helping them Mm -hmm. Uh, they're not being distracted perhaps by other kids if you know there's some other children that are that are being a little bit distracting in the class Um, you know I'm wondering it will be fascinating to see what kids do learn how that learning feels what we uncover as um, as we're seeing this play out very interesting isn't it I think see what emerges Mm, mm. so i'm wondering marion you know from from facilitating homeschooling or unschooling or you know what you've done for your children i guess what are some of the things that you could pass on to parents that you've really learned or you found have been incredibly helpful um i think i've i've done the experiment i think probably many people are doing this now i remember when i um was very uh, kind of quite quite a long time ago now quite a lot of years ago my son when my son was about four and five and I started to get into fear about what he was learning and we've talked we also have talked in other podcasts as well about different children's different styles of learning and it was very different to my daughter my daughter loved workbooks and all of that kind of stuff she's she's much more like me and he, he 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 didn't he just did not like that and I remember some of my most painful parenting moments were when I was trying to get him to do something I wanted him to learn in a way I I thought was the way to learn which was through writing through books through answers question answers that in the written word and I remember some really painful parenting moments where I felt so powerless and so frustrated I I would like to parenting confessional I ripped a couple of books up I've broken some pencils (laughs) those were those were very painful parenting moments and really because I was trying to force him into a way of learning that didn't wasn't a fit for him and that's why I love what you're doing at Woodline is really when you're talking about different children's different ways of learning I think you know for me part of industrialization and you know I go on about the domination system and um colonization is in in this system we have valued uh the the cognitive mind reading and writing as being like the be all and end all is the most important form of of knowledge and iq and really to me that's so outdated that way that system you know there's been for so many years the the knowledge that iq is so many in so many different ways you talked so beautifully in your ted talk about um emotional intelligence but all the different ways that each uh, each child has and that writing is just one way and actually so much of um this was a one thing that i found really helpful and this might i wonder if this is helpful that um schools often rely a lot on writing because it often is one or two adults with 20 or 30 children so in order to actually understand what each child understands and where they're at in their learning they need to have things written down to be able to actually look and see what does this child know. If you're at home with your child and you're reading to them and they're sharing about what they know and what they don't know, so much of the information the learning is happening verbally. You don't you don't need to, you don't need to be doing tests or writing stuff. They don't need to be doing that because you you know because you're asking them and you're doing recipes and you're doing all the stuff. So it's really understanding that 
writing as this and reading as the most superior form of learning is actually part of the system that I think we're being invited to grow out of to actually value deeply embodied learning you know like the you know the ways that you learn I think it's it's bringing back that more feminine um, knowledge and wisdom as being so important that the the um, the wisdom of being able to to do things that that you know, being a mechanic is just as valuable as being a, a university professor. And, uh, you know, to me, it's that really welcoming about all those forms of knowledge. And I think that's another thing that I really learned is to really just to deeply trust um, my son, for example, and to know that he has learned, he, he has learned, his spelling is amazing, his maths is amazing. And that has not come through doing loads of workbooks because I learned that very early on that that was not going to be the way he learned. And it's just really trusting. Uh, but I, I think what happens is, and I'm imagining a lot of parents might be going through this right now, is actually really being challenged on a deep level around core beliefs about what learning is and what children need to learn and how learning happens. Because I know, you know, I've had 18 years of, of the um, homeschooling journey and it took me probably about 15 to really deeply trust. So <laughs> I just want to say, you know, if you're, if you're really questioning a lot of stuff right now around learning and education and schooling and what your child's learning and what they're not learning and why won't they just write down this answer to this question <laughs> that you are so not alone and perhaps maybe to, to step back and to actually think about maybe all the other ways that your child does love to learn and the way that the ways that they have learned, which aren't through reading and writing. There are many, many ways that we are constantly learning in a much more embodied way, which is so much a part of indigenous and feminine knowing. I was just thinking as you were talking then, imagine if when all this finishes and children go back into the school if every teacher could have an interview with a parent and the parent could go, this is what I learned about my child and how they learn. Could you imagine how powerful that would be? I would totally do that in my school (gasps) because I think those insights of parents and look, I know not all parents are being able to sit down with their kids and learn and look again, some are working and it's, you know, a lot of different variations there. Your children are learning so much. I want to say as well, your children are learning so much. If you don't sit down with any bit of piece of paper or book or video or anything, they are learning way more. Really important stuff right now. Anyway, carry on. Now. Yes, totally. But how powerful would that be if if, a, if you are a parent at home and you are now helping with schooling and learning of just observing your child, see what they struggle with, see what lights them up, and then to be able to go back to the teacher and go, this is what I've learned about my child and how they learn. Wouldn't that be amazing information for a teacher to take in to then um, understand about their student? I think that would be incredible. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I have had that conversation sometimes with teachers of my kids and have said you know I know that this is how they learn and this is what they do and so this can you keep that in mind when it comes to these assignments or what they need to do because I know that this is how they often retain information because we've done it together that many times that you know that's how it works so yeah what an amazing thing that could be it's going to be so wonderful. But you know what? I'd love it to go then the next level, which is still one teacher with 20 or 30 children. It's, you know, the system isn't set up to support mm. teachers, to support children, all the yes. different ways of learning. So my passion is, you know, everyone does you has your kind of school you have the school everyone does your school and for me the long-term dream and passion is that there are learning pods that Mm. you know that children and young and people of any age actually go to learn what just what they're passionate about and they get to hang out with people who learn in that way who teach in that way and we get to actually support all our all our people of whatever age they are to to follow that the the passion to follow Mm -hmm. the passion and to actually have people who are really really competent in what they're in what they're passionate about teaching and being with the people who really want to learn about that and I think Mm -hmm. that's part of the system changing I think still we're asking a lot of teachers to be able to to to, um you know support children learning lots of ways let's you know for me it's like let's change the whole system so that Mm. teachers get to do what they love to Mm. support children doing what they love and to you know get rid of the the grades and the coercion and the homework and actually bring back the joy of learning and Mm. that's my kind of utopian vision (laughs) yes I love that and you know um I guess before we we continue on with talking to Tony 
So I'd love to say to parents that uh, even if you're child isn't doing any remote learning or doing what they're meant to over these next few weeks it is okay because as you said before Marion they are learning a lot at the moment even if it's how the world works when things kind of fall apart um you know they they still learn in every moment by watching by observing and it's okay it's totally okay so don't don't put pressure on yourself you know I think in this time we're living in you know my goal is how's everyone's emotional well-being Let's make that the first priority and then we work from there. So where are we all at? And then we'll just we'll cruise that way you and see where we, we are. So no pressure, you know, really do trust in your child and, and trust that, you know, exactly as you're saying, when we have the right environment and we have those guides who are passionate and those teachers that are there, you know, children can do extraordinary things. We can do extraordinary things as humans. So, yeah, it is definitely moving into that. Mm. And I think I think what I love what you, about what you're saying now is I think if you if your child goes back and they haven't done X Y and Z I think that I think everyone's going to be fairly um, kind of relaxed about it in these times. Yeah. So I would say my my invitation would be be to say that that connection you have with your child is so important and to not you know that was what I learned in those times when I broke those pencils I was putting the connection at risk by trying to coerce so my invitation would be is prioritize the connection with your child above all else because all learning comes from the connection again I think this is so core to your work now is is please don't you know, my invitation will be to be not to not to break that through trying to um trying to coerce them to do things. And, and in that, what I'd love to say is I noticed for myself, so much of those times showed up because the little parts of me who remembered what it was like to be at school and to be not doing things and to be punished for not doing the things were showing up. And it was those little scared parts that were going in to try and coerce my son. So I would also love to send compassion to any little parts of you that are showing up that mm. perhaps went to more older, older fashioned schools who... Um, you know, perhaps did get punished if you didn't get do your homework or you didn't concentrate and to, to hold those parts with so much love and then to stand in adult parent self who is advocating for your child and your child's emotional well-being is the most important thing. We cannot, we cannot think clearly if we've got big feelings anyway. So if your child's got big feelings and they're upset and they're, and they're scared, they're not going to be able to take it in and learn anyway. So connection and I'm sure that's what you're going to talk about in the, in the next conversation connection play mm. all the wonderful aware parenting tools listening mm. to crying and tantrums that is what supports our children in actually going back to what we talk about always now is trust if we can support them feel help them feel connected listen to their feelings do attachment play then we can just trust that they will naturally learn what they need to learn I love that so much. And you you are so right on that because even you saying about the you breaking the pencils, I have had the similar experiences of trying to get my kids to do homework and feeling frustrated with them and realising it was totally tapping me into my high school years where I went to a full-on private school where the message was, if you don't get good grades, you're not going to succeed. Like, you know, it was all about the success of getting the right marks and then you become doctors and lawyers. And it was just this whole thing that did not take into consideration about who you were as a person and that anything is possible. And, and I remember feeling just all the pressure of that, even though I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, I started my first company when I was 19 because I had an idea and thought I'll give it a go. There are many ways. And I think that turned up for me as well with my kids in this way of trying to coerce them into doing stuff when it didn't serve them. And then having to really check in and go, actually, there are so many ways to do things. Like this is one pathway and if it doesn't resonate with you, let's find another one. And so that totally came up for me as well, Marion. I really, really do own that. Um, yeah, it's big. And I'm sure that turns up for a lot of parents too. So I love that invitation to come back to prioritizing that connection. And, and you're so right. Kids can't learn when they feel stressed, when they feel anxious, when they feel worried, when they feel disconnected. So there's no point. You're much better off going outside and kicking the ball and um, having some fun. So yes, <laughs> we, we formally just say, if you'd like to right now, just, just spend the rest of the day doing what you all really want to do, please go yes. ahead and, and just say, yes. Uh, Layla Marion said 
said two. <laughs> Tell the teacher yes. that. I would yeah. actually just like to add one last thing before we go, which is I also really see this happening in, in adults and particularly in the entrepreneurial world. And again, where I think so many of us people are being invited to, to move into that space now is all those internalized school experiences show up the you know I'm not getting it right I'm not doing it good enough I have to do it this way so if you are also um, moving into sharing more of your gifts in the world you might be also seeing these same kinds of themes show up as as might come up for you around actually being with your children and supporting them in their learning so big squishy love to everybody right now <laughs> mm, that's so true yeah beautiful all right well stay tuned for part two and we look forward to bringing you some practicals now with tony that you might be able to implement at home mm, so much love to you because i won't be in part two so enjoy see you <laughs> Hello, it's Leo. Welcome to part two of our podcast on home school. And I'm very excited because, you know, we said in the beginning, we're mixing our podcast up a bit. We've never really done this. We've got two parts, but we just didn't think that we could go past interviewing this amazing man who's got some insights to share for us around. I think as we talked about in part one, this really difficult time of, um, of what's happening in the world. So I would love to introduce the amazing Tony Balance. Welcome, Tony. Hello. How are you, Leo? I'm really good. Really good. So happy to have you here. And let me just give you a quick little intro about who Tony is. So Tony is an amazing teacher. He's actually won Teacher of the Year last year, which I think not many people can say in this world. Um, he's the father to two beautiful boys who are six and nine. Uh, he has an amazing podcast called Edubabble, which really is about opening up our discussions around education and um, and I think some of the bigger questions we have around connection and teaching and learning. Um, he also has Building Better Brains Australia with his beautiful wife, Sian, who's a clinical play therapist. And these guys as a couple, I think, really embody everything that we we talk about in aware parenting, not only what they do with their kids, but what they do professionally. You know, definitely Tony, you as a teacher and Sian in her work. So it feels really exciting to have you here to just share some insights, I guess, for us around you know, how parents can help their kids at the moment if they are doing school at home. And and in part one, and I've shared with Tony already that we really did chat about in part one about, um, I guess, our questions around uh, education, what kids are learning, you know, why we are still learning a lot of the stuff that we do, how we can help our children, you know, and really coming back to that intrinsic motivation to learn and and form a love of learning. I mean, that's a big thing for me and something that's really important for me with the school woodline that I'm building is that we want kids to want to love to learn. We want them to want to come to school because they're like, I can't wait to see what I'm going to discover today. And I have a feeling that that's, um, that's a big motivator for you, Tony. Oh, huge, huge. And, and like you say, Leo, totally aligned. Hey, um, yeah, look, it, it really is. I, I think for for anyone listening uh, at home, for all you beautiful parents out there, um, speaking as a parent, take a breath. <sighs> I recommend tip number one is the five, four, three, two, one check-in. <laughs> five senses, you got them. What do you see around you? What can you taste? What can you touch? Can you feel your bottom sitting on the chair? You know, mm. uh, what can you smell at the moment? Um, you know, go through this sequence um, because, whew, it's a really tough time. Um, mm. you know, here we are at the time recording at the end of week one <laughs> down here in Victoria in Australia uh, of our online learning. And, you know, there's a few meltdowns around the Bush Telegraph is, is a singing and a ringing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it so is. And, and, and I think, I mean, look, you're seeing both sides of this story, Tony, as a teacher, you know, yeah. and, and your kids um, schooling at home this week. And uh, sorry, as a teacher with your students and then as a parent with your kids this week. So how yeah. have you found your students have gone this week? Like, what's that been like for you? Um, yeah, well, it, it's a really good question. The, um, the, the first thing I do before any online lesson this week is uh, a check-in and I get them to um, type to me uh, numbers of how they're feeling. It's kind of like fist to five, you know, you have five fingers outstretched them all good. I've got this all the way down to one, down to even a fist going, ah, help me. And so they'll send me stuff. And one of the kids the other day, she sent me one saying a negative 100. And mm. I made sure that I checked in with her on the emails afterwards. And even on the voice chat said, Hey, are you all right? You know, um, 
are you for reals or are you just trolling mm. me? <laughs> um, you know, just to make sure it wasn't a false positive. But uh, yeah, so just checking in with the kids. I think it's it's amazing to see them online. And, and for me as a teacher, it's a, it's a real like, oh, my kids, my babies, my crew, you know, woo! It, it's been so lovely seeing the class um, and hearing their voices, you know, mm. and hearing them go into it and start to actually help each other and go, oh no, you just click this and then, then you do this. Okay, cool. Thanks. Mm. So seeing them be collaborative, even separated physically um, has been really beautiful. So I've been trying to really, um, in my professional capacity, trying to hold on to every little silver lining mm. and, and, and be really, um, and be really grateful for all those little nice moments. Um, mm. In the, my capacity as a parent, probably my highlight today from learning from home was we were sitting in the hammock doing reading with Fletcher, my youngest, and he was lying on top of me and we were all rugged up, have the hammock outside. We've set up yeah. a little outside learning environment. That's uh, another, yeah, beautiful. that's another sneaky wee tip there. Parents, if you can on a deck or a balcony or something mm. like that, if you can set up an outside environment, um, just somewhere where a little table somewhere where you can get a bit of fresh air. It's really nice to do that. Um, and Fletch and I were there and Oscar jumped in on the conversation. We were doing some reading about seeds. It was a Dr. Seuss book. And then we started talking about uh, the cypress trees that we have uh, at our house and how the pine needles will drop. And they have a kind of uh, chemical that, that only they like, and it keeps all the other plants away. We were talking about how they survive and stick together as a team. And it, it was this really awesome kind of deeper learning conversation that had precisely nothing to do with the ridiculous amounts of work they were set to do today. <laughs> yes. And I love this so much because I think this is what Marion and I discussed in, in part one is that in every moment and opportunity there is learning and children are naturally inquisitive. And I guess our job is to keep creating a space for them to ask questions so that we can you know, um, be curious about life, be curious about things. And that is learning. That is learning. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and be in an environment where you're comfortable enough to be curious mm. and, and ask questions and say, Hey, you know, what, what is this and, and how does this work? And, you know, mm. Mm. because it's interesting seeing your kids learn from home and I'm sure you parents listening out there will, will, have noticed some things um, or will soon to be noticing things as your kids do this online learning um, in terms of how your kids learn and yes. do they kind of skim over questions and rush through it because it's about this kind of, I must finish um, or do they slow down and question themselves too much? Is there a lack of confidence there? There's so many different ways a learner can engage with, with learning content. And so for me, that's been really interesting to see how the boys have done that. It's been quite eye-opening to see to see how they they approach their learning. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, look again. You, you're the dad. You're a teacher. Like you, it, it is a different lens we're applying right now, isn't it? Than it totally than we is. have ever had before. Yeah, I, I absolutely hear you on that. You know, one of the things I love um, hearing you talk about a lot is about connection, and particularly about how you prioritize connection with your students more than yes. more about that because. I love that um, as a teacher, for you, that is super important. And I think, you know, especially in my school that we're building, that for me is fundamental. But also, you know, what, what happens to kids when they have that essence of connection and feel seen, what happens with their learning? Yeah, I mean, in, in the context of where we're at now, Lael, or? Uh, no, I just want to say, in the like, you know, when you are in a classroom, you know, what that looks like for you. And then we can yeah. have a look at what that looks like now. Oh my God. Okay. So the, the short answer is the magic happens. Um, you know, when you give kids voice and choice from the very outset, when it's um, instead of line up, sit down, shut up, copy this from the board, you know, that top down hierarchical stuff um, that a lot of us have had growing up with education. Uh, when you do the stuff that um, I've been doing with my kids for the last few years at school, when it's right, you get a choice uh, the doors have been fitted with, um, connection detectors. And so we must either you get to choose a hug, a high five, a fist bump, a handshake, a, you know, um, some of the kids do these real funky sort of foot bump things and you do these dances and <laughs> it's so cool. And, um, you know, they, they really go for it and it's a beautiful connection point and, mm. you know, um, and you and you use their names as well. You're witnessing and the, witnessing them and saying, I see you're here and this is important and I'm really stoked you're here. 
And it's such a lovely, lovely way to do it. Since I've started doing that the last four or five years, really in earnest, really consciously doing it with all my classes, um, the amount of um, behavioral kickoffs, you know, um, so people with behavior that's going to affect students around them and the learning environment, so on, has dropped so massively. Mm. Because, you know, particularly those kids, we know that behavior is a symptom, right? Mm. So there's always a reason behind dysregulated behavior. Mm. And so when a kid who, things probably aren't real peachy for them at home um, has a teacher who loves them obviously mm-hmm. and loves them despite their foibles, you know, um, they, they often are going to kind of attach to you and, and want to please you and want to do the best they can. Kids don't perform for teachers. They hate, you should see my English scores. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when I was in school, I hated my English teacher in year 12. Yeah. Oh, he was the worst. Bless mm-hmm. his sweet cotton socks. Mm-hmm. Um, did not like him. We did not connect. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and my mark suffered as a result. I was still responsible for my learning. It was still my, you know, yes. um, but it was, it's a huge, huge, huge factor. So doing those connection-based techniques, you know, the regular check-ins, allowing kids choice of the learning environment, where they work, they can sit down, they can, we can go outside, we can, this sort of stuff um, has been incredibly powerful. And it's showed in the outcomes as well. Like the kids have gone on to do extremely well in the senior schooling environments and, mm, you know, yeah. Mm, so it's, 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 it's fundamental. And I think the reason why I wanted to talk about that is because, for any parent at home and, and trying or facilitating some learning at the moment, that yep. connection piece has to come first because, yes. you know, as you would say, Tony, so would I, kids can't learn if they don't feel connected. If they've got a bit of a backlog of feelings going on, they're not going to happily sit down and do a worksheet or follow something on the computer because it's hard and they can't on some level, like they need the connection first or they need to offload whatever's going on so that they do then have the capacity to concentrate or take in new information. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's oft said that teaching is about three things, relationships, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and people often say um, it's, it's students, you know, there's the strong evidence to support that students will work the best or perform better across the board um, for teachers that they like and respect. Yes. And yes. the question is, well, how do I get them to like and respect me? Um, and, and the answer is, well, you have to like and respect the kids first. Yes. And there's one step further on that one, sports fans, which goes for all of us as parents and teachers. You have to like and respect yourself. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I love this. I Testify. Love this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Well, this yeah. is it. Exactly. And children, we've talked about this in all our podcasts. You can't fake it. Children are totally connected yep. energetically to where we are. And if we're not being authentic, they feel that. And, you know, that is one of the biggest, most important things. And look how that might look currently now, if, you know, you are feeling as a parent, just you're having a hard day if things are feeling really tricky and you're trying to help your child and you're not feeling good then it's probably not going to go well and it may be better to actually go hey let's just pause let's go outside let's go jump on that let's swing on the hammock together let's have a cuddle let's go kick a ball let's let's take a break to help ourselves come back into our into balance or find our center before we you know we try again absolutely that's and that's that's a big one that that i've got for any advice for for anyone out there with this new kind of learning from home modality is just drop it if it's if it's too much and often what we are being sent um for the kids to do is a lot um just drop it it's not the hill you die on like Mm. you know you ask yourself is this the hill we die on Mm. you know just let it go it's gonna be okay um some interesting information came through post where I'm from in Christchurch, New Zealand, um, the big earthquakes in 2011, um, you know, a lot of people didn't have contact with the schools for in some cases a month or more. They didn't, you know, really get into their online learning. It took a long time to do that sort of stuff. And then surprisingly at the end of the year, uh, all of the standardized kind of, (laughs) sorry, gag reflex. When I say standardized tests, that's a, that's a thing. (laughs) But, um, there's the the testing in particular for the you know our, our senior school uh, year eleven and year twelve senior students in high school was better than the other years wow. was better than decades before them mm. so um, cyclone Katrina or Hurricane Katrina up north same data 
So mm, yes, yes. We I, just need to relax. It's going to yes. be okay. Sorry. Yes. I love that. You're exactly right. I, I love that. And I, I, Mary and I have talked about a lot, you know, what is the impact of just more connection together and slow, slower rhythms and, and laughing and playing board games and laying outside in the sun and all those kind of things. What does it do to help our kids nervous system? What does it do to help them feel connected to us? You know, what does it do to allow just new information to come in when we are living at a bit of a slower, more connected pace? I mean, I think there's some absolute magic in that. There is. And that's when you're, the bored brain is the best brain because mm. that's when. I makes... love that. I love that. The bored brain is the best brain. That's yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's because that's when the creativity starts to flow and, and your brain starts to just populate, you know, ideas and, and things start to happen. Here's a cool idea for parents out there. Um, you need headspace. You're allowed to go out and exercise, go for a walk outside. Maybe you've got space to do so before breakfast or something like that. If you're lucky enough to be a morning person mm-hmm. or even in the evening, go for a walk and just maybe note down a couple of things that you see on your walk around the block. You've just created a scavenger hunt for your kids when you do it next time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, how do we turn that into a learning thing? Right. Oh, okay. Well, let's do, if it's a, if it's a primary school kid, well, you have to find five odd numbers and three even numbers and see if you can add a couple that add up to 25 or something like that. You can incorporate numeracy into this kind of thing. You can incorporate uh, literacy into it by going, right, you are the local news reporter, Mary. And what I need you to do is go around and spot all the strange things happening in our neighborhood. Let's go. And she can go around and maybe note down a few little points in her free hand and then come back and write a paragraph, mm. you know, I love it. There's so many cool creative things you can do. Yes. Yes. I love that. That is so great. And I think it is, it's, it's asking us to stretch our imaginations a little bit, isn't it? It's asking us to be creative as well, which I know as adults, we seem to get less and less and less creative and less, you know, more stuck in our rigid way. So I think it's, it's amazing. I think that's what is terrifying a lot of parents that, you know, Oh my God, I have to think outside of the box here and I've got to come up with some stuff, which I know a lot of people can find really challenging. So that is a gold idea. Thank you. Yeah. Oh God, that's, that's a, pleasure and i think behind that feeling now which is yeah oh, i'm really anxious and there's a lot of pressure on me as a parent because now i feel like i'm the teacher it's really important that parents remember your kids still have their teachers right so they've still got their teacher you're kind of like a facilitator librarian mm. you're helping with the learning environment and your main job is to ensure that they have a um, calm peaceful space and that if things get too stressful just ditch it don't, don't worry about it too much, you know, and, and really just, just be there for them. Mm, yes. That's such good advice. You're exactly right. You're the librarian. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pop in, pop out. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> what other, some other little tips do you have for parents that you think can just make this whole time of learning at home a little easier? I mean, you mentioned the space, which is good outdoor learning space is brilliant. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, that indoor learning space that is just, you know, that feels good for the kids, whether that's, there's some nice smells there or whatever that, you know, feels good for them. Yeah. What other little beautiful hacks you got? Um, okay. A couple of little sneaky hacks. There is, because often we're juggling, I still have to maintain a household. Hello. That's a pretty mm-hmm. big job. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases I'm working from online and I can't always be there if my child's saying, mom, dad, can you help me with this? So what you can do is a little technique called uh, give me five. And so you arrange it beforehand with your child and they say, give me five. And then they set a little browser timer. So they go, this is for ones that are slightly older and a bit more tech savvy. So if they're working on a little laptop or an iPad or something, they bring up a new browser and type in five minute timer and the countdown timer starts. And that means you've got five minutes to like (laughs) go through, finish actioning your immediate tasks that you need to action. And then you can be there for them. Now, the cool thing is with this technique and another one I'll show you in a second is most of the time they get it done um, and they solve it themselves by the time you get there, which is, I, I know, right? So you're actually, it's a beautiful safety net. It's a nice little barrier that says, I appreciate you have to do stuff and I have to do stuff. And it's about teaching them to take ownership and take responsibility for their learning progress and journey Mm. as well. Um, So that's really cool. And another variant on that is they write their name on a note and they go rip off their note and they go and put that note wherever you're working. And then 
you've got, when you get a moment, it might be 10 minutes, could be 15 minutes. You're going to get to them. And if you do have more than one child at home, then well, if they have a note, it goes underneath the next one. So there's a sequence and an order to when these things are going to be uh, followed up. Mm. And so it just, it just creates a bit of a um, structure there because it is very anxiety inducing to kind of have to have to code switch all the time, you know, in psych circles, it's called code switching. You're constantly going from one different brain mode to another. I'm a parent, I'm a professional, I'm a housekeeper. I'm a, you know, that we all do uh, in these environments. And so um, it's, it's a nice way to have some kind of a separation. And to that one, just briefly talking about um, code switching, I fully recommend um, when I'm working with parents and educators in these times that they take a really nice three breath process every time they switch. So when it's like, dad, 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 just, or even if you've got time, maybe just one, just a resourcing breath, hold it for a second. <sighs> Try and exhale for maybe four seconds if you can. <sighs> okay. And then you go, and it just helps your brain go <clears throat> and transform into the mode that it needs to. Mm, um, that's a good tip. Yes. I like that. I'm a big <laughs> fan of breathing, but yeah. that's a real, it's a really, um, it's really good to just bring some mindfulness to, okay, I need to shift right now. And that's, that's the beautiful pattern interrupt to help you move. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Um, do you want a couple more? Yeah, go, go. Yeah. All right, here we go. Fast money round. I'll spam them out. Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> um, so ownership is key, right? With, with your kids learning from home. And if they're constantly saying, dad, how do I spell this? Mom, how do I do this? And you're constantly feeding that, um, you're, you're teaching them that kind of learned helplessness. Um, and you're teaching them deferral of responsibility. And if I didn't get it right, well, you didn't tell me how to spell this right. Mm. And so usually um, I recommend to, in fact, always now recommend to parents and educators to answer questions with questions, which can be really frustrating and triggering for kids for a while, particularly the older ones mm. um, that are used to having been spoon fed for so many years, the answers, but uh, it's, oh, I don't know. So potential script could be, Oh, I'm not sure what could be a way you could spell that. Have you tried stretching and blending and what sound does that letter make? And you know, this sort of thing. So you're there, but you're not giving it away. It's super, super important that you don't give the answer that they do the work to get to the answer. And what you're doing as that process goes on over a number of days and weeks is you're teaching them that you've got their back and you're there for them, but they're the ones that take ownership of their learning. And the cool thing I've noticed for the last few years doing this in the classrooms is they need me less and less. Yes. Cause I mean, my job as an educator, my end game is to work myself out of a job. If they realize how little they actually need me, I went, mm. okay, I'm out of a job. I'm going back to BP. That's fine. Mm. Um, but or maybe picking spuds or working on, <laughs> on the reef again as a dive instructor, but uh, that's a win. <laughs> mm. Amazing. I love that. And as you're saying that, I'm realizing that I really need to embrace that because I think in my frustration of trying to do my work, I'm, I'm taking these two things here. When I'm doing my work alongside my 12-year-old who's in year seven and she's like, mom, and she asked me a quick question, I am doing the whole, oh, God, I'm in the middle of something. Yes. And she's like, how do I spell this? And I just, I just go, I just give it to her the answer. And yeah. I'm realizing that firstly, I'm not taking a breath. And secondly, I'm not actually helping her at all because I'm just yep. giving her that answer. So that's brilliant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. Yes, I thank love you. it. Awesome. I've got another one for you in Good. that context, Lau. It's um, hold the answer until, or hold, use pause until it's awkward and then count to five. So <laughs> um, teachers and parents, we all hate silence. And so when we're communicating something and we're going, and the answer could be, and then nothing happens. And so we go, oh, well, it's actually this. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, if you are directly facilitating their learning, you've got some time to do that with them, really hold off and make them do the work so that they need to find the answer. If you're completing a sentence or adding something else or, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, definitely use pause. Pause is beautiful and pause towards awkward count to five. Yes, um, good. <laughs> the, um, and, and I think, you need to understand that, that you're going to fail. There's no such thing as a super amazing teacher. Um, I mean, look, myself personally, despite, despite my accolades, I am constantly reflective going, oh man, I did that wrong. Oof, could have done that better. Oh, I need to remember to do this. You know, um, 
And so it's really important to realize that you are completely fallible. And it's actually an amazing learning moment when you demonstrate your failures in front of your kids, because they often don't learn and, and neither have we growing up. You're not remembering the facts and all this sort of stuff. You're remembering what was modeled to you, what was said, you know, uh, uh, what was done around you as parents. We so often say things to our kids and go, Oh my God, I sound like my dad mm. or, or my mum, Right. Because of what was modeled to us, it's been patterned throughout through growing up. And it's the same thing with um, the most important part of learning, which is failure. And so if we model, oh, 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 I spelled that wrong. Look at that. Dad did that wrong. What's, how could dad fix that word? Right. Modeling that failure, that mistake, really putting voice to it and then having them help correct you is really beautiful because it, it enforces that, um, sort of co-education collaborative uh, relationship. Yes. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like it's one of the big things that we talk about a lot, mm. you know, where parenting is that we, we, children need to see that we get it wrong, that, you know, even when we perhaps behave as a parent in a way that we don't like, that we repair. Really sorry, I sorry. Um, whether it's more around, you know, we, I don't know the answer. I don't know how to do that or I've made a mistake. I think that is just so, 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 so vital. And I, I mean, look, I think we all need to do that because a lot of us, again, grew up with this feeling of it's not okay to make a mistake. A, I'm going to get in trouble. B, I'm not going to be approved of, like all those kind of imprints that we have. So the more we can make mistakes in front of our kids, I think that makes a massive, massive difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it does because they'll get brave. It's that's key to, to boosting academic resilience. Everyone's always banging on about resilience, 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 resilience. If I could pronounce the word, hmm. the, um, excuse me, the, the, when people say resilience, I feel most people interpret it as, Oh, that's just being, you know, ha ha. I shall raise my jaw and battle headwind into the cyclone. Like it's, it's this weird kind of, I will galvanize myself and stoically charge forward through adversity. Mm. As opposed to, um, uh, you know, Cian, my wife, uh, she defines resilience so beautifully. She defined it recently, came out with it and then went, oh, oh, yeah. You know, just sort of a moment like that. And it's perfect, which is um, resilience is your body's ability to sit with physical, emotional and mental discomfort and still act um, from a whole brain perspective. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this is, you know, I'm, I'm doing some work with the Resilience Project who are out there doing some great stuff in the world. And, and that's is exactly what I'm talking to parents about, of being able to sit in the uncomfortable stuff with our kids. Yes. Not try and fix it for them, um, not discard it, but really go, I see that this is hard. And I also believe that you can find your way through this. You yeah. know, and I'm here for you to hold, to hold space for you to do that as well. Yes. It's super important. And it's, it is, it's such a, I think a skill we all need to develop. And I think because we live in a culture where we do not like the uncomfortable at all, you know, we, we try and move from it as quickly as we can on any level that oh, yeah. this is something that is tricky for us to learn as adults and something that we then have to model for our kids. So I love yeah. that explanation. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I dig it too. I think it's, I think it's pretty sweet. Mm. Um, what have I got else in terms of tips? Uh, fail fabu- fabulously. Yeah. Fail publicly and fail often, of course. Um, da, 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 da. I guess, <sighs> yeah, I, I guess the whole trick is just to keep repeating that mantra of, <laughs> is this the hill we die on? Yes. Should I be, um, because we run a real risk at the moment. And, and I think of um, parents I've talked to in the last couple of days, a lot of them um, with kids melting down and feeling the pressure and, you know, mum and dad feeling anxious and like, they can't, you know, Oh, I can't be there for you. And I don't know where you're up to in this. I don't know how that works and that kind of thing. Um, we run the risk of, if we keep trying to really hammer the kids with meeting this expectation, um, then we could turn a lot of them off um, learning you know, for a while at least. I also think the flip side though, is it's also an incredible opportunity to push ownership for the kids and and allow them to build that confidence, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I think a lot of them will be able to, will be able to build um, that confidence Mm, down the track. Yeah, I agree. I think, 
like we've mentioned in our last few podcasts, there is magic to be found in this time. And I think across all different elements of, of how we're navigating life. And I think that, you know, particularly when it comes to learning, education, connection, our kids, there is some, I really encourage parents to be curious, to be curious, observe your kids, watch, watch what comes up for you, watch where they are. Cause I think it's going to give us a whole lot more insights into learning and how our kids, you know, can learn how they can thrive, you know, what possible, what possibilities exist for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it may be controversial of me to say this. And I mentioned this the other day um, to to a group of parents I was talking to. I'm actually really happy, the circumstances notwithstanding, because the circumstances are very challenging, but I'm really happy the kids are out of classrooms. I'm so happy they're out of, uh, the majority of classrooms are sit down, line up, you know, they haven't changed in 100, 150 years. Um, And so to have the kids learning you know like i was talking about earlier like a learning moment where you're sitting there in the hammock talking about the nature of trees and that symbiotic relationship between them and these deeper concepts that you can have in the real world and be hands-on um you know it's an amazing opportunity and that's uh, maybe my final bit of advice is get hands-on as much as you possibly can so for example uh we were doing transformations the other day as you do so imagine a a cross a vertical line and a horizontal line going through it bang we've made a cross and uh i don't know if you guys listening remember this back home uh way back when when you had to take an object and rotate it 180 degrees or flip it and you know do all these sort of things and we were doing that and i went ugh, and just grabbed a piece of paper cut it out stuck it over the top and we just started swiveling around and then you can grab a lego block and do that kind of thing you can use play-doh and go okay well so this concept here could you show me what that looks like to you in play-doh you know, so getting hands-on, getting spatial, getting tactile, getting your kids' bodies moving around it, instead of just sitting there with headphones on, smashing a laptop all day, um, is super, super important. And, you know, if they're getting too anxious, if they're getting too upset, and if it's too much, it's not the hill you die on. Your relationship is everything with your child, as you know. So ditch it. Mm. Back off. Don't do that task. Mm. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Tony. I could, I, you know, I could sit and talk to you for so long because I just, I love your enthusiasm. I love your passion for, for teaching and for children and for seeing the bigger picture here. I just think it is so important. And, you know, I just, I think you're an amazing inspiration, you know, as a dad oh, and also you. as a teacher. And I'm really grateful for all your insights and advice here. It's really, um, you know, I was saying to Marion, we really, I think we really need to talk to Tony because I think he's going to bring just a whole other element for those parents who are at home at the moment going, okay, how do we do this as consciously as possible? So thank you deeply for. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, and I, and I really hope some of the advice, um, you know, helped you listening out there. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. So thank you to everybody for being here for this. Um, we love if you can share and, and rate the podcast and, and Marion and I love getting your messages. So please let us know if there's anything you'd love us to talk about in the future or anything that you've enjoyed from, from listening to this. Um, you can find Marion and I, all our contacts and stuff are in our show notes. So you can um, find us there and we'll also put links to Tony's stuff in our show notes as well. So if you want to hear more from him or find out about their amazing work at building better brains, Australia, we'll put some links there too. So you can check it out. So thank you for being everywhere. Thank, uh, thank you for being here everybody and thank you tony for uh for all your blood all your lovely wisdom absolute pleasure all right thanks everybody thanks for joining us on the aware parenting journey please follow us on facebook and instagram at the aware parenting podcast you can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find marion at www.marionrose.net We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.